Hey all, welcome to Skeptic Hangout, the place where we sit back, relax, and chit-chat about intriguing and sometimes controversial topics through the lens of skepticism. We are Josh, Richard, and Laura, and we have with us again once again our guest host, Dr. Richard Firth Godby here, author of A Human History of Emotions. If you guys missed him the last two weeks, go back and listen, because he is fantastic. And today, we are going to be discussing polyamory. So grab your English tea or your double shot mocha or both and join us as we discuss how to do the two-step with more than one dance partner. This is Skeptic Hangout, polyamory. All right, I had a question to start you guys off with, and I forgot what it was. So, Josh, give it a start. Well, polyamory, I don't feel like I'm the most, I'm the best person to talk about because I'm so fucking vanilla in my relationships in that uh, I've only been one-on-one. I've only done monogamy because I, and I don't like this about myself, I'm a little bit of a jealous person. I'm not like the kind of guy that says like, you can't hang out with a, a guy friend or whatever, or I'm not that guy, but uh, I have ended up getting cheated on because of that reason. And I was not happy about that. So like, I understand there's nothing immoral about polyamory, or at least in my point of view, but it's very much a case by case basis on whether or not it's good. Just because of my experiences with friends that have done it, there's been uh, one person that was really into the polyamory and one person that was infatuated with the person that was into the polyamory and kind of went along with it. So you really got to be, in my opinion, as somebody that's only been in monogamous relationships, you got to make sure you're on the same page really early before that infatuation sets in. So that's interesting because you you started off with like, oh, I'm not really one that's like qualified to talk about it, which I would automatically disagree with because I don't think that you have to have specific experience with something to be able to talk about what you know about it or what your feelings are about it or your opinions. Um, I, I would say that that in general, we're very good at presenting things as, hey, this is just how I feel about it. I don't think we're the kind of people in this show that we're like, this is the truth and you must follow this. So right off the bat, I, I disagree that you're in any way disqualified from being able to talk about it. But then you went into talking about it and you did just fine. And I, I thought what you said was very relevant. So I think that um, topics like polyamory, we can discuss no matter what our relationship styles are, just like we talk about things like Mormonism and none of us are Mormons, right? Um, so I would start off with asking you guys um, and I'll have our guest Richard start off. Um, what are your perceptions and, and ideas of what, what the concept of polyamory actually is? Good question. Um, I too am vanilla. I've I've known my my wife um since I was four. So you know, oh, wow. I, I'm, awesome I'm impressive. I am as far away from that as as you can get, I guess. But yeah, I think I think that is it's it's the idea of there being a more than um two in a relationship is I mean again, I've talked before about how sex and relationship styles change over time they change with cultures and there are times in history where polyamory was the dominant you know there would be more than one person in a sexual if not a loving or a family relationship 
all the time. It was normal. Um, even more recently, you know, we, we kind of people joke about how the the French kings had a mistress. Well, yeah, they did. Um, that's because that was the culture there, and not necessarily we judge it through modernising. Go, oh well, he was cheating on his wife. Well, no, she knew he had a mistress, and there are part there are places in the the Far East there where they would have more than one wife, and that was normal, or more than one husband in some cases. There is a historical leaning towards the men being the one on their own with the many, which is something else we can talk about another time. But um, but I think it's interesting the idea that there can be. I wonder if sometimes, Josh, when we say, well, one person's infatuated and the other one wants a polyamory and so they go along with it, whether we're seeing it through a monogamous lens, because that's how we would feel about it. And actually, there's a different way of seeing it that's kind of hard for us to grasp. I Maybe not. I don't you think know? there may be sometimes when I'm wrong, but uh, the relationships where I've seen it happen and it's gone bad is because of somebody it's all one of them pretty much goes and does their own thing. And the other one's still almost completely faithful to the one person. And you can tell that they're feeling a little iffy about it, but they don't want to lose the person. Those are the kinds of iffy ones to talk about. I've also mm-hmm. seen really healthy, happy uh, uh, polyamorous relationships. I know of those two. And that's why I said uh, you got to be communicating from the start. Yeah. Because if you if the ones that have gone bad have been uh, people that have been in a, a monogamous relationship for a long time and think their relationship starting to go bad. And then one of them points out that maybe they want to go into uh, a polyamorous relationship. And the other one kind of just goes along because they don't want to lose the person. That's why yeah. you yeah, got to make I... sure you're on the same level early on. Like people can be into into polyamorous relationships and those people should find each other but there are i don't i i've seen, I had people prescribe on me that like i only like monogamy because of it's been instituted on me by like our uh, monogamous relationship atmosphere and i don't think that's entirely true i think every person is different every person has different needs so like i'm not going to say everybody needs to be not monogamous or everybody needs to be polyamorous but you got to know or at least try to know where you're at when you get into a relationship and you got to be communicating that early on. It should be mm. something that's just pushed out in the middle of the relationship because things are getting a little bit rocky. Yeah, I do. I do want to jump in because you said something kind of a little bit further back that I really want to touch on. And I, I didn't even think that we'd start getting into like, or or by we, I mean, I into I, things like advice, you know, in regards to polyamory, but you said something that just like hit a nerve, which was, people will get into relationship trouble and they will see polyamory as a way of like fixing the relationship. Like, well, sex has been bad for a few years or we're not really connecting, but we want to stay married. So we're going to open up to save the marriage. That's the same thing to me as let's go have another child to save the marriage or let's go do X, Y, and Z to say, no, you do the work on the marriage to save the marriage. And then you add extra stuff in if it's beneficial while your marriage is healthy. So that to me, like, it was, it was a red flag that um, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, we got to touch on this more because um, I'm going to be very pretentious and get up on my high horse as a non-expert and as just the girl next door. I'm going to say, like, I feel pretty strongly that if you're going to institute anything, like we're talking about whether or not um, polyamory is healthy in this specific case. Like, I mean, the, the discussion could go anywhere, like what polyamory is, different forms, whatever, however we want to take it. But what you're talking about is whether or not it's healthy. Right. And in that kind of case like that, 
I just wanted to throw that out there. Like if, if your relationship is struggling, I think one of the reasons why polyamory can get such a bad rap is that it becomes an answer to a problem mm-hmm. that it's, it's not a good answer. I think the general opinion people have about polyamory and uh, the kind of, it's been hinted at already here, is that it's sexual. And I don't think that has to necessarily be the case. Nope. Uh, and I, as as Richard has said, I, I, I'm a married man. I'm not polyamorous. Uh, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I don't think it has to be a sexual thing. And I think it is very much a, a, a thing of... I think it's one of those things where you have to like look at individual cases because it's not just a thing. It's not just, I want to go and sleep with somebody while I'm in a relationship. Um, it's it's It can be an emotional thing, I think, as well. It's uh, There are different circumstances surrounding it, you know, whether you go into a relationship with it being agreed before you even start, uh, whether you invite someone else into your relationship after it's already begun. Uh, you know, there, there are lots of different circumstances around it. I don't think it's just a thing. And I think yeah. when, certainly to my mind, when when the words mentioned, what immediately springs up is kind of probably the same as what everybody or, or a large a number of people think of when it, the words comes to mind is it's a sexual thing where three people are having a, a kind of oh. uh, a, a menage a trois. <laughs> kind of uh, kind kind of thing and it, of course that doesn't even have to be a part of it it mm. can be it can be a, a a loving relationship between two people and one of those person is in love with someone else and they're having a relationship it doesn't even have to be co-habitual uh and and there are lots of different i think aspects to it it's not just it's not just a black and white thing and i think that's interesting it'd be interesting to delve into some of those aspects yeah the only time i've heard it not be part of the sexual component is when it's been used as like a power component like uh joseph smith for one who some of it was sexual but he got more he had a lot of wives and not all of them were for sex some of them were specifically for like dominating over another faction it was like a political move almost then instead of something like i'm gonna bone your wife it's like your wife is my property kind of thing that's when i've seen it gone go beyond sexual but he still was having sex with a lot of different women he was still definitely having fun with it it just wasn't a hundred percent sexual but uh uh in in in, uh, polyamory today I don't see it without the sexual component. And I got very confused when you put that, like uh, I'm wondering how you can have a polyamorous relationship without the sexual component. Cause at that point I would say you're friends and I don't put like, I don't see me jumping in with uh, me talking with my friend and his wife. And like, now I'm hard. I'm really close to both of them. I don't consider myself part of their relationship. I consider that a whole other aspect. So I'm really trying to figure out what you mean and saying that polyamory, besides the power dynamics that I talked about with Joseph Smith, can be anything but sexual. Okay, so I, I have to, there's a lot there. And I, what I what I hope we can get to eventually is like some different forms of polyamory, because like the word itself just means multiple loves. Like there's there's so many different ways that people can practice it in different 
um, relationship formats that can come out of it. I mean, even in monogamy, you have different quote unquote relationship formats where people do it differently. But, um, and I, and I hope we get to get to that, um, and discuss some of that later, but I really, I want to ask you a question to push back on what you're saying. So, um, in a monogamous relationship, like a, a monogamous married relationship, does there have to be sex involved for that to be a monogamous relationship? Like can a married couple be married for any length of time? Like let's say their entire relationship and not have sex. That feels platonic to me. And that's me probably forgetting about like asexual people in, in my calculation with that. So maybe it can, but if you're adding extra people, no, I don't see that <laughs> happening. I don't see like an asexual three-way happening. So um, I'm, a, I'm a member of polyamorous groups, some of which they do have what they call platonic partners, right? And so it's, it's something that maybe someone on the outside or someone who doesn't experience love in ways that are deep but not sexual um that it might be hard for you to understand because intimacy can be many things it doesn't necessarily have to be sex but i think that we we use sex as such a powerful tool to form these bonds right and we we have it as such a important part of what we see as a as a quote unquote married relationship that we we kind of have a hard time separating sex and relationship and um or like intimate relationship you know what i'm saying like i i'm probably one of those people and i'm probably factually wrong in this but uh i i don't see if there's at least no sexual desire from either side i see that as you can have like a really strong friendship and you can like really like feel strongly for like maybe three people and like they're very close to you it would like break your heart if uh if they left you or something like that, but I have a hard time putting that together with a polyamorous relationship. And again, I could be wrong. And if people want to comment on the Facebook group or in this YouTube video, tell me that I'm wrong and give me like some instances because this isn't, this is like going right over my head, honestly. Yeah. I think, I think as well, I think if we just, just for one second to take the polyamory out of it, there, there are, there are things of, uh, in relationships uh, called emotional affairs where you it's not at all sexual and you just you're, you're in a relationship with someone and you turn your attention from that person to someone else because you have a connection with them on an emotional level mm. and that the the person other person in the relationship feels excluded and there doesn't have to be anything sexual going on there it's just a connection you have with someone which leads to the exclusion of, of your partner. And I don't, I don't see that it has to be sexual at all. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with your struggling. It's, yeah. It sounds almost like a filter that, that you're, you're going through. I'd love to hear the, the doctor's opinion on this. Like this is fascinating. Well, I think we are as a society, we do put there, there are, there are believed to be when it comes to love which is all about your oxytocin levels and belongingness and that there are three aspects to love. It's not just one of them uh, is, is intimacy. It's sex. It's this period known as limerence, which is the early relationship where you just have sex 24 hours a day. You don't sleep. You don't eat. You just go at it, hammer and tongue. Um, and, 
but that's not all there is to a relationship. There's also passion, which is not necessarily sex. It can be hugging. It can be in, being intimate in other ways. It can be being close to each other in ways that you wouldn't be with a friend necessarily, but it's still not sex. And then there's this idea of attachment and commitment, the idea that you're attached to them and you want to remain linked with them um, in this strong way that you wouldn't want to let them go. You want them to be part of your life closer than other people. Um, and it's, it is entirely possible to have a relationship without that intimacy bit, just with the passion and the commitment. Um, and uh, there's no reason why that can't happen in a polyamorous relationship. There can be more people that you feel passionately passionate about and committed to. Um, and I suspect there will be times when there are some you can be intimate with and some that you feel more passionate about and some that you feel more committed to. And it will be in different levels of these aspects, uh, depending on the relationship and the dynamics within it. Um, and so, yeah, it's I don't think it, it's we do like to focus on the sex bit because that's really fun. And it is important. But there are other bits as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Are, I just. Yeah. I just keep wanting to go back to the idea that if, if a polyamorous relationship can only ever like have some sort of sexual component, like yeah. that would also or mean that a monogamous desire is well, what, what I'd say. Yeah. I would just keep going back to the monogamous relationship. Like you're, you're, you're putting a, a standard on polyamorous relationships that you would then have to also apply to monogamous relationships. Because, and I would say even more so because now you're talking about only committing yourself to one human being, you know, for the rest of your life. And you're not going to, have sex with other people but if you're also not having sex with that individual then why be married and i think there's a lot of reason to still be married i, I think that sex is one component of an intimate or romantic relationship and doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be present for for a married couple monogamously mm. to remain monogamously married so it just it to me like the the importance of sex like we can definitely talk about that and i would definitely acknowledge that overall as a society we sex is important as a species sex is important i just i just want to keep i i don't understand where the the disconnect there is what i find really interesting in this is that uh and this isn't a criticism i'd like to say that before i say it because some i I can criticize this isn't one of those occasions Uh, two members of this panel have already described themselves as vanilla for being in for not being in polyamorous relationships. And I'm not entirely sure that that's necessarily means you're vanilla in that. In, right. it, it, it's, it's, it, it's the norm. It's the societal norm. Well, that's kind of I what you say it, when you say vanilla is like, you're going with where more the norm is. It's not necessarily saying like, it's boring to me. At least that's how I interpret it because I have a good time. It's just not me uh, striking out away from what's the societal norm. I guess so. Okay, maybe I've, so I've got the wrong understanding me, of vanilla. Yeah. A different interpretation of vanilla. I was going to say like semantics matter. And I know that words are, are descriptive, not prescriptive, but how vanilla is typically used is in relation to kink. Right. And so when you use the word vanilla um, to a lot of people's minds, like my mind included, you're you're saying that polyamory is a kink. Right. Oh, it, and um, that's not necessarily not, true or not necessarily. In, in I'm, so- I'm not vanilla then. <laughs> in, 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 so- in society I, nowadays. Can we do a whole new it, episode on kink? <laughs> it, well, in society nowadays, I would say uh, polyamorous people are viewed as being more kinky. And that might change as. Uh, polyamory becomes more the norm and I see more people latching on to it and then it eventually will lose all that but I do think 
what's considered kink does change with the years and everything. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, I kind of am lumping it in with kink, but I'm not saying it's kink it's stapled down as kink uh, permanently. I'd say like right now, right the way the society is, it's definitely in the kink range. And I don't see, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with kink, but it's just above where, where the, the norm is. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. In our society, yeah, because of course there are but, cultures where where polyamory is just well, like, it like, is the norm. Well, like I've said it in, in another episode, uh, if we go under Rome, the days of Rome, it wouldn't be kink at all; it'd be the norm. Kink changes with society, so it's not shaming it, saying that it's outside of the norm. So um, hmm. I want to go in kind of a little bit of a different direction because what I was thinking about earlier when we talk about polyamory like polyamory can be so many different things but a lot of people think of it as um polygamy which is the marriage of one man to more than one woman and there's so many different forms of like i didn't even know the term polyandry which is a single woman married to multiple men um i didn't even know that until college right and that i learned it in an academic setting not even in a fun kinky sexy setting so um it's interesting because then you also have these things like... Uh, the- can I just interrupt and say academia can be fun and kinky? Absolutely. Okay, let's, let's, let's second that. Yeah, no, I'll, 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 um, yeah, I'll stand corrected there. But um, yeah, no, I, it's our society really does view the idea of multiple relationships through just a very, very narrow lens. And so when we open up the discussion of polyamory, different people have different preconcepts of what it is, whether it's good or bad, what it looks like, like Josh, what you were saying with, um, well, it has to involve some level of sex. At, at least I'm not saying necessarily sex, but at least desire for the other person. But like, see, that's already a step, a step back, and I appreciate that. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you don't necessarily need to be banging them, but like the idea of banging them has to have some kind of appeal to you. <laughs> Josh is putting qualifiers, on. but that's exactly what I'm trying to say about polyamory. Is there's not a lot of qualifiers. Like, if you could look at the word. It's meaning, meaning you like love for more than one person, but um, there's so many different ways that people define it out there. There's so many different ways that people live it out there um, that it's, it's one of the, the more fascinating aspects of relationships that like, if someone says they're polyamorous, they're not saying very much. Like if they say they're monogamous, that's saying a lot, right? Okay. I'm, I'm connected. And, but even then there's, there's shades of gray. Are you actually like lifelong monogamous or are you serial monogamist right do you just date one person at a time but you've dated multiple people or is it like one for life and if we divorce or they die that's it i'm a spinster for the rest of my life right like there's even different forms within monogamy but when you say polyamory it could be anything like it it could be a couple that that brings a third person into their relationship um those are difficult and and that's like a whole can of worms to get into but it could be that they date separately. It could be that there's hierarchy involved. There's not hierarchy involved. Ethical non-monogamy versus open relationships. Like, oh, there's all these terms floating around out there that the, the non-polyamorous community doesn't necessarily know a whole heck of a lot about. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see the pre-concepts of polyamory from, from the outside, like what would people think it is versus how people practice it on the inside. Do you, do you think that, uh, and this is for anybody. Do you think that the the fact that there's a community, specifically a community out there, is enabling for those kinds of relationship or uh, kind of restrictive 
by by making it something else? Or do you think it's a step towards normalizing it? I have no idea what you're asking. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so there's one single community that's doing what now? <laughs> so if, if you have a, a, a community for polyamory, like, uh, I don't know, like groups and... Like a uh, Facebook group, uh, yeah. Right. So are they are they kind of making it look like something other than normal because there's a specific community? Or is it a stepping stone to normalizing it because there's a specific community. Like, because there's no uh, monogamous, well, there could be, but I've never heard of any <laughs> monogamous groups getting together and talking about how, hey, let's all get together and not screw each other. I'm coming with somebody kind of thing. <laughs> there yeah. are. Oh my gosh, there are. There are groups like um, marriage support groups. And you find them a lot in churches, but you can also find secular. Like, they won't call them monogamy groups necessarily, or at least I haven't seen them specifically labeled monogamy. But if you go into, say, a marriage support group, it's going to be predominantly, in my experience, like mm. overwhelmingly monogamous. Well, I was thinking of more like getting together monogamously to have fun, not with each other. So that, 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 that's what I was like trying sweeters? to compare is. No, no, Double no, no, no. Like not, platonic fun. <laughs> no, no. Like you come with your with your one person, you talk to everybody and say, hey, I'm not going to screw any of you. I'm with this person. That's what I thought a monogamous group would be like. <laughs> I didn't think of this marriage counseling thing because that doesn't sound quite in the same vein as a just a, just announce it at every social gathering you go <laughs> yeah. to. i'm with this guy you can't have me <laughs> exactly that, that's the only equivalent i could think of to what richard was talking about because marriage support group you can have those with uh monogamy or polyamory i'm sure although right. i'm sure if you can't do that in a church setting with polyamory depends, uh, on, the church, well, right? depends on the church i'm not going to pigeonhole anybody there might be like a really cool church but i'm not aware of it a oh, mormon church maybe uh but yeah, for the most part, I think uh, to answer Richard's question, I think it's just uh, because of the internet, people can get together and get these ideas out that are generally society is looking down upon, but it's starting to become more of a normal thing. I think these groups are necessary to help it spread and normalize because I definitely probably like five years back, I would have thought polyamory was a bad thing. And I don't have any religious reason for thinking that, but uh it was just because it's been ingrained in me that polyamory was bad. So mm. we need these kinds of groups to uh, normalize it. So yeah, they're, they're going to, it's going to happen. It's just like how atheism, atheism started to spread when the internet was connected because people can find more atheists on the internet than they could in their local area. So it's probably the same kind of thing. Like any, any niche group is going to need the internet or is going to utilize the internet right now to uh, normalize themselves. Yeah, that, that's a valid point. I think you nailed it with the, the atheist example, because I was going to use the LGBT example. Like, well, if it's if it's normal to be gay or bi, why do we need a special group for it? Well, because there's dickhead people out there that say it's not OK. Right. So it's kind of like a yeah. strength in numbers kind of thing. But um, I'm really interested to hear what Richard has to say about it, because I know he's done more in the academic realm. I'm not necessarily on this, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking, actually, the, the uh, going back a bit to the idea of it being seen as a bit of a kink there have been people who have had polyamory relationships in recent history before the word for a long time we just used to call them swingers um and that is a form of polyamory that mm -hmm. is people get together and you know it's a very sexual polyamory but it's still you know that kind of thing um, josh <laughs> what's that <laughs> well no i'm just saying that, that there is to say that they doesn't that the polyamory doesn't have to be sexual isn't the same as saying it 
isn't. Because of course, be, it sometimes it can be. <laughs> can be. You know. It's, um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's. It's. And I, I. I do think that the question of is it. Yeah, we need to. If people are saying it's the old thing of people who have been a certain way forever finally getting together and saying hello we are like this and we're perfectly normal and there's you know don't you, you need to understand us and stop judging us and stop treating us in another way just like lbtq just like atheists just like and so on um so i think it's it's the right thing it is right that there are these groups and that it's becoming more mainstream for lack of a better word i don't like the word normal though one of my friends just released a book called What is Normal? And the whole point of the book is there's no such thing uh, as normal. Um, I'd say, I'd say <laughs> normalized as opposed to normal. Yeah. Like you're not necessarily, yeah. It's not necessarily becoming normal because there is no actual normal. But normalized would be like more people are like accepting of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's interesting because like you'll never really know how many of your friends or how many people are polyamorous until you become polyamorous. Right. And then all of a sudden it's out of the woodworks because people don't talk about it. Right. So having these groups allows people to talk about it and gather together. And it is a lot like being closeted about your sexuality. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, except that in fight club, you don't talk about fight club, but in polyamory club, you most certainly talk about polyamory. No, but um, outside of it. And I've heard, it more and more from people that are a part of it but that's probably the discussions are happening which is exactly Mm. like what richard was talking about and i agree that it's so important because um you can have so many people out there that are um a certain sexuality a certain demographic a certain um want a certain relationship type they may not even have the language or the words for that relationship type like i have a friend who had never even heard of polyamory and when he heard it described to him he's like Oh, that's what I am, right? And and then he had to do the, the the thinking about himself of like, well, what does that mean for me? What is my specific relationship style? What do I really want to get out of it? But what he knew right off the bat was I'm attracted to multiple people all the time. And I don't like the idea of just being married to one was bothersome to me. Now I have language to talk about it instead of just feeling like a dirtbag, right? Um, so the more that we're able to talk about it, the more that people who are either doing it sort of on the side or very quietly or are ashamed to talk about it the more that they're given the um empowerment and like it's it's still a really scary thing to talk about right because there's so yeah. much judgmentalism around it like you're a sexual fiend or you're deviant or you're actually cheating on your spouse or um your spouse must be somehow deficient if they're allowing you to do this thing right and so there's a lot of stigma around it and the more that it's talked about um like what josh said the more it can be normalized is there in in Richard? Is there an emotional kind of foundation for the whether an individual is more predisposed to polyamory or monogamy? Uh not really emotional. Different. I mean, I talked about Sternberg's theory of the uh, the love triangle, the intimacy, passion, commitment thing. Um, but you know, it's um, it's sexuality is its own thing it's a different part of if you like the the brain structure the brain chemistry the bodily makeup of people um and that that goes down to whether you are predisposed to monogamy or not i guess um i don't think there's an emotion i think the emotions the same it's just how it's directed how it's um understood in the context of that person because the thing about emotion is for long enough people since 1970 this idea that there are basic emotions all humans have disney made a film about it and you know a very good film 
it's just crap it's science. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, and um, we now know that's not the case. And even individuals will experience emotions differently to each other. And it's the same with sexuality. I mean, on one hand, you're right, Richard, that creating a box is a box and the box is fake really because there's all sorts of blurred edges and there are people who are mostly monogamous but and the people who are completely polyamorous but and you know and there's um but um yeah that's that's sort of how where it is at an emotional level in that it's probably something to do with as a guess the way that um oxytocin and dopamine work in the system and the way that they are genetically the way you attach to people differs from people to people, the way that they work, um, that particular chemical um, and others. So um, in answer to your question, I doubt there's been enough research done, but putting my, I've read lots of stuff and done lots of stuff. I would say probably there is, everybody has a different, well, everybody has a different brain. Put it down to that. Everybody has a different brain and all our brains work differently. And so, in this respect, who and how many we feel attracted to is going to be different. You know, it's yeah, I have, I have a fascinating counter question. You're going to have the same answer, but just it's so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not expecting an answer to this question, but it's just a way of turning it around is like, instead of how many people are predisposed to polyamory, um, which, which again, like what form of polyamory is it? Is it swinging? Yeah. Is it just like sex with multiple partners? Is it more than one deep relationship um what what does it look like right but is it uh, just as fascinating to me as how many people are predisposed to monogamy right like mm. i had heard a, i'd heard a you know it's like one of those like you throw out statistics and you don't know where the fuck that they came from i heard a statistic somewhere in a podcast that was like 20 percent of people are actually monogamous even though many people are practicing monogamy i don't know where they got it was like a study done somewhere i'm not verifying that fact but what i'm trying to say is it would be fascinating to look at it from both angles like monogamy in this particular society is like the norm but it's the norm that's presented as like the only option and you have to kind of go outside the box to seek outside that option or you have to be willing to be a, appear to be a little bit rebellious you know to go outside that option um and you have to be prepared for pushback um so my question would be both ways right like like how yeah. often are we predisposed just to monogamy to being attached to one partner either long-term or for our entire lives. Cause I do know um, that, well, I, I say, I do know, I, I suppose that there are a certain percentage of brains that, that will form very, very few attachments versus the brains that will form many. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm speculating here. Sort of, it's, it's, it's an educated guess <laughs> if you like, but there is, let me take something else as an example. There is such a thing in the brain as dopamine uh, desensitivity. And people who are not very sensitive to dopamine levels do things like base jump and th- mad things in order to get the dopamine rush that some of us get from just watching a good film. You know, it's, sort of, <laughs> it's, it's we all have different levels of our tolerance of dopamine. I suspect that very similar things like oxytocin and that have a similar uh, reuptake tolerance and intolerance different people have different amounts so some people will fall for everybody they see all the time because they have tests and just go <laughs> and like some their people, brains go bananas over yeah. people all the time. yeah i've seen I, yeah. I know people like that yeah <laughs> yeah and so some people to like- remind me because um i'm trying to remember so oxytocin is that the bonding 
that's Hormone. the bonding chemical. Okay, the one that's yeah. like, oh, I love you. I need to be around you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the one that, uh, and when a dog comes and goes crazy, it's flooded with oxygen. <laughs> yeah. That's my dog um, every time I come home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some people, and I think when I think about it now, I'm one of them because I don't have all that many friends, as well as being incredibly monogamous. I also <laughs> don't have a huge number of friends. I'm not somebody who's got like hundreds of friends. I could count them on a hand or two hands. So, um, People like me probably have a much lower, uh, higher tolerance, if you like, of oxytocin. And so we have more closer, smaller relationships. Um, I don't know if I could get someone to give me a big bag of cash. I'd go and research it. Uh, anybody out there want to fund me to research? <laughs> I'd be willing to perform the research yeah. for a certain fee. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can. I could just need the money to be able to get the resources to get the people together. Um, and then, you know, because I'd have to track a lot of people, I'd have to do lots of tests. It involved me getting medical doctors involved to test their levels of chemicals and stuff. But uh, I'd be fascinated to do that, actually, because just as a guess, I reckon there is probably an oxytocin tolerance the same way as the dopamine tolerance and the same way as an adrenaline tolerance and blah, 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 blah. And that may be the underlying cause of the various forms of relationship. I'm wondering how they took uh, care of the variables in that study that they're talking about. Cause there's people like me who, uh, when you were talking about your friend, it kind of rang some bells off in my head. And like mm-hmm. he was saying that he was attracted to other people, but uh, was considered, but was still doing monogamous relationships. Mm-hmm. And like, I think most people can be in a monogamous relationship and like, I see hot women all the time. I'm not going to cheat on my girlfriend though, but that's, that's more like uh I, I I can see women that look sexy, but I, I also enjoy the emotional uh, relationship that I have with my girlfriend. So like, I don't want to go around cheating on her, but there's also people that maybe they're exposed to temptation a little bit more, where maybe they'll start out like me and then they make it big and podcasted and they get podcast groupies all the time. <laughs> and like, they're like, Josh, Josh, sleep with me. But like right now I'm like, no, because I'm only having that happen like once or twice a week. It, but it, suddenly the podcast gets more viewers and then suddenly the podcast groupies are all over me, tempting me. Maybe the brain starts to change a little bit because there's more opportunities to break free of the monogamous relationship. And I'm wondering if that study could take to the uh, take the variables of the lifestyle of the people in the hand because if you're not presented with a lot of opportunities monogamy probably just is what you fall into where uh, polyamory could be something that uh, if you're exposed to a lot of opportunities you're going to fall into polyamory yeah i don't know i i think in this specific case the, the answer to that would be no like I, I don't i don't see this person as being someone who's like constantly being followed around by groupies like not that he's not a fine individual but um, I think that, yeah, a wider study would definitely have to be done, but just my, my pool of one individual, I would say, I don't think that's well, the, the well, case. The study, but... the study that you, t- you took like 20% of people being, uh, yeah, and I don't know where that I was came just from. Taking that one, yeah. I was just taking that one example set off like some alarms in my head. I wasn't yeah. saying your one friend was no, yeah. the results <laughs> of all that study. I was going back to that one study you slightly remembered. Yeah, But, um, but just... I do want to, I do want to say that you bring up a good point between attraction and attracted to and wanting to have sex with are all different things, right? Like, so you said like, oh, well, I have my, my girlfriend and, and I, I'm attracted to other women or, or whatever. Like, so for me, what I experience is I find a lot of people attractive and like, and a lot of different types. And it could be like anime. It could be like real person. Um, like I'm, I'm very attracted to the human form in general, but not 
attracted to in the sense of want to have sex with. There's very, very, very few people who I want to have sex with. And so I'll even be presented with an attractive person who's like flirting with me. And I've had the opportunity in the past to, to just like, oh, hey, I think you're cute. I want to have sex with you. And I had no desire to. And this was a person who I found very attractive. And I've had that a couple of different times where you kind of get the proposal and you're like, nope, you know, this would be one of those times where I should want to, but I don't. And so I think that there's sort of a distinction to be drawn there between like, as human beings, it is quite possible that the vast majority of us find a lot of different people attractive. But how often and how strong the desire is to have sex with them is like a, a different matter. And all I was saying is it might change based on how much, how often the opportunity happens. Because you could be completely against it. I've listened to, I've read too many uh, rock memoirs where they started out in love with their girlfriend or wife and they had no intention of cheating on them on the road. But once they got on the road and were presented with all those opportunities, uh, their mind began to change. So opportunity may change uh whether or not somebody's into polyamory or monogamous relationships i i I, they will remain nameless uh and very vague but i actually know a a a rock musician quite well who uh when they were on they were an american and they were on tour over here and they told me that they were trying very hard to be faithful to the wife and uh, the the kind of next time I saw them, they were chatting to a, a, a girl who wasn't the wife and it was clear it was going somewhere. And I did remind this guy of about what he'd said um, <laughs> um, because it was clearly conflicted uh, in, 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 in within himself on that matter. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I think something we, we've been kind of talking about like as as though monogamy is the norm i don't think there's ever been a time where people haven't had affairs and i know that's not polyamory as such but it certainly shows that it's not the norm as in a blanket thing that monogamy is that's what monogamy is because people have always had affairs Uh, and I, i don't remember a time at all where people haven't had affairs in this society where it's considered the norm to be monogamous the, the difference is that... uh now we're trying to like normalize it in like to not be an immoral thing and when you usually when you're looking at uh, affairs it was uh polyamory in an immoral way because you're hurting somebody because they weren't included in the idea of it so that's how i'd say it's normalizing like yes people have been cheating forever but as long as you're in a relationship where everybody's okay with it that's what i'm thinking of polyamory as trying to get normalized today as it not being an immoral thing where you're hurting somebody when you do it or at least you're not trying to this is where we start talking about like words and semantics and like people's perceptions Mm -hmm. and stuff because from a polyamorous perspective the like cheating and, and adultery and stuff is not polyamory. It's deceit and it's lying. And it's, mm. it's the, the level of um, not having the communication and not having the consent is what makes it not polyamory. But that's, that's, it's good that you guys bring that up because it is really good, A, to draw the distinction and B, to show that um, a lot of the, the negativity that kind of surrounds polyamory could very well have to do with exactly that, like affairs, like, oh, you're polyamorous because you want to cheat on your spouse. And the, the cheating label and the, the, the idea of consensually having more than one relationship are two completely separate topics, mm. right? And so I, I think it's fantastic that you guys kind of brought it up. But 
Yeah, I just want to be clear that I wasn't insinuating that monogamy and cheating, uh, sorry, polyamory and the cheating were the same thing. I was using that to just to demonstrate that monogamy isn't kind of all it's cracked up to be. Yeah, that's perfect. Because when I said but and you cut in, you just finished my sentence is cheating says more about monogamy and and individuals who choose monogamy and then choose to go outside of it than it does, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And and back to my 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 theory that keeps going around my head. I just remember that from an anecdotal point of view, I remember quite often when I'm teaching the young students, there will be one or two of the young female students that will get uh as Sting would say, uh they stand too close, stand too close to me. Um they just <laughs> get a bit, you know. Um and I always sort of stand back and say, you know, um, and it's and they're, they're young 18-year-old girls. And some of my colleagues aren't quite as, for lack of a word, disciplined with these girls. And again, I think maybe that's just me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there is a, the, there can be temptations there. For, not for me, because I'm weird, but for others, there can be temptations there. And uh, I do sometimes wonder if in a different world with a different culture and a different view of relationships because there is a deceit element but why is the deceit element there it's because this with the people are told this or were told or are told they're supposed to be in this monogamous relationship and maybe if we can lift away that that pressure there can be more honesty in these things mm-hmm. and um so the deceit will be less regular part of it might not be quite so often a thing, you know. Um, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm just I think on, the, on some, something you've just said just uh, uh, kind of brought something to mind, and I think it's interesting. I think we should draw a distinction between temptation and opportunity because they're not quite the same thing. And as, as Laura said, she's, uh, and I've been in the same position where had the opportunity, but not the temptation. It's perfectly clear <laughs> that, that there is an opportunity there mm-hmm. if you yeah. so desire. And I've not been interested in that at all. I think, I think that distinction is a very subtle one, but a very important one. Yeah. On top of that, I also think that like, so we, we talk about, polyamory as it contrasts with adultery adultery could very well be it's its own subject because i don't always necessarily think that i mean anytime you lie in a way that hurts somebody the lie is not good but a lot of times adultery comes from things like being unhappy in the relationship not having a communication fear um the feeling of being trapped like monogamy is the only way to do it but um but i'm having i'm having troubles either with the relationship structure or with the person i'm in a relationship with and a lot of times um, there's elements of emotional attachments that are not sexual, right? Like they, they talk mm-hmm. about, um, I say they, and that like sort of the same way that pseudoscientists are like, oh, they are lying to you, right? So I really should be very careful with my language here. But um, you hear about a lot of, um, of um, adulterous relationships starting over emotional connections more so than sex, right? And so that's almost its own subject, like why people choose to do that, um, is I mean, there's there might be ties in to to polyamory in the sense of well, there's multiple attractions perhaps, and so we can kind of bridge that similarity there. 
but I actually think that um, adultery in and of itself is its own topic. And I love what, what Daryl Ray says about it, where he's like, well, you know, everyone always wants to blame the adulterer and there, there is blame to be had there in terms of, well, your actions were still wrong, but nobody ever looks at the person being cheated on as, well, you guys have a relationship together. Where was it falling apart, right? Where were things going wrong and looking at it more holistically than just, you know, here's the scarlet letter or burn the witch, you know? Um, cause a lot of times there's, there's a lot more to it mm. than just that person couldn't keep his or her genitals in their pants. No, that's a good point. And we definitely, I, I I've taken off the fire brand on that. Cause a younger me definitely didn't see the nuance. And I've talked to enough people that have cheated and heard their side of the story. I'm like, okay, I kind of get where you're coming from. I don't think it was handled perfectly, right. but I can't put all the blame on you. I, they're definitely they're not getting off scot-free there's definitely some blame to put there but uh there's also like societal pressures to stay in the relationship or or like maybe there's kids involved and so they feel trapped and also i've heard of like people just can't escape abusive relationships and they're looking for solace elsewhere so like yeah that that gets more nuanced that for sure we we kind of I've kind of pushed the conversation into adulterous topics when I'm t- t- talking about polyamory. When uh, when I think of polyamory regularly, it, it's uh, consensual. And uh, mm. definitely we've gone outside of that a little bit in this conversation. Yeah, we have, but I think it's I think it's important to draw distinctions. And there's nothing. This, this is fucking skeptic hangout. If we don't <laughs> go off topic a little bit, it wouldn't be skeptic hangout, right? I mean, on that note, it, we did, um, our time did fly by. So um, I want to like offer you guys the opportunity to have any kind of last thoughts or last topics that we want to cover before we get going. Um, the one thing that I would like to leave with the audience is just that there are so many ways of connecting with people and doing relationships and you should be empowered to pick a way that works for you. And you should be cognizant to pick a way that's consensual for everybody involved. And if somebody like what Josh was saying, like if somebody seems reluctantly involved um, in in polyamorous circles, they they call it um, poly under duress, meaning I'm I'm polyamorous, but I'm stressed out. I'm struggling. I'm having a problem with this. Right. So definitely that's something that that should be avoided. But that should also be avoided in monogamous relationships. You should not be monogamous under duress either. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I would just leave the thought of reflecting on what you want and the willingness to communicate openly with any and all of your partners about not only what you want, but about your other potential partners. Um, don't, don't get into a situation where you're, you're lying or being deceitful or like creating stories, you know, or whatever, but um, just that there's no wrong way to do a relationship that's consensual and that works for you. Yeah. Relationships are, interesting and they can be difficult and they can be a struggle and that that i i fucking struggle having a relationship with myself never, never <laughs> mind involving other humans with independent minds i can't tell you how many times i've broken up with myself like we, we uh, take breaks uh, often uh, so yeah the, just just kind of what you said laura you know being open honest i think that's that's the beginning of any kind of meaningful relationship honesty openness put on the table exactly mm-hmm. how you feel and you know what you want and your expectations and what you're willing to give uh, mm-hmm. my final thoughts uh i definitely think i'm gonna have to rethink this topic a little bit because there's probably 
because Laura made a good point about uh, the monogamous couple not having sex, but my brain can't get over that right now. It's like saying <laughs> that example was stupid, and it's probably not. So, like, uh, hammer me with ex- this is a this is the video where I want the most responses to telling me why my stupid brain can't see uh, a polyamorous relationship that's not sexual. Because even with that example, I'm like, there's just something wrong in there. Laura's Laura is generally a smart person, but that was just <laughs> that was just wrong. So tell me why I'm actually the wrong one in this, in this uh, on this topic because uh, my brain is breaking right now. Um, for me, uh, I'm slightly answer that love is a complicated emotion. It is a very complicated feeling. It's changed a lot in history. What it actually is, I spoke a couple of episodes ago about how it used to be things being pulled towards each other with the idea of love. Um, and uh, there is no right or wrong way to feel it or express it. Well, there are some wrong ways to feel it and express it, but that's a whole other topic. But there is no wrong consensual way, as I said earlier, to feel it or express it, really. And it's not. There are more components to love than just lust. Lust is one part of it, but there are other bits, and there are bits that make it different to friendship, um, like passion. So... um, However, somebody wants to consensually love somebody, just do it. You're not hurting anybody, as long as you're not hurting anybody, I guess. Do it. I love it. Awesome. On that, jump onto our Facebook page. Give us your thoughts. Um, let us know. You don't have to divulge what your relationship structures are, but if you if you wish to, if you're comfortable with it, let us know. Like what what do you prefer and why? Um, or just what are your thoughts on the topic in general? Um, the more we can discuss these kinds of topics, the more that ideas can be shared and maybe um, ideas can be challenged. I know that my concepts, like I, I'll, I'll come into an episode with an idea of something and something somebody else says will completely challenge that idea. And I think Josh was just saying he felt that in this episode, which is phenomenal. Um, and so, yeah, if, you're, if your um, ideas on monogamy and polyamory are challenged by this episode, let us know why. We can, we can further the discussion. Um, in the meantime, thank you guys all for joining us. Um, Dr. Richard, thank you so much for joining us for these last three weeks. It's been a pleasure, and I hope we can have you on again. Pleasure's uh, all mine. And in the meantime, everybody, keep questioning. Interrogate your beliefs. Stay skeptical. Bye.